The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So with that guided meditation, it's just an, an invitation to explore. It turns out that many of us have a hindrance, one of these five, that is our go-to hindrance. <laughs> one that arises uh, frequently. And the interesting thing is, right, that... Um, you know, we're only one person. We only have one mind. So what shows up in meditation shows up in our daily life too. may take on a different shape, a different form, but has often a different um, flavor or something like this. So, as I said earlier, it can be one of the most important things about uh, working with these hindrances is to not take them personally. So that doesn't mean, you know, that we're a failure or anything like that. It just means that we're doing meditation. And that's always what happens at the beginning is when we first sit down. It's not like you immediately get settled. You may not even get settled at all during that uh, meditation period. But in the beginning, there's always some version of some hindrance. So I'd like you to get into groups of four or five. And when you get into the groups, then um, I'll give you the instructions. So you can just uh, self-select. You can find yourselves. I didn't count, so I don't know if, if it'll be even. But three, four, five, whatever works. Okay. So, okay. So this uh, will, question will be in two parts. The first part is just to say this won't take a long time. What was the hindrance that you tend to... Uh, what's your favorite? The one that your mind, your body tends to go to the most... Maybe I shouldn't use that word favorite. doesn't mean that it's we like it the most. But it's the one that um, we experience so often. And maybe you could add with that, like, how do you experience it? Is there something in the body? Is there something in the mind that goes along with it? If you're feeling restless, what does restlessness feel like? If you're feeling doubt, what does doubt feel like? So for maybe the person that's closest to this big window here goes first, and then go around clockwise. And just to say, in what like this moment you think, the hindrance that is the most common for you and how you experience it. And then once you've been around, then I'll give us part two.
Okay. Now for part two of this question, or part two of the sharing. So this is really a listening exercise, as well as an opportunity for the person who is speaking, who is not doing the listening, or maybe they're listening to themselves, um, an opportunity for them to be a teacher for themselves. So you described a hindrance. Do you have some advice for yourself? When you're experiencing this, what's something you can do? Something you can keep in mind? Something, uh, some direction you can incline the mind? Um, some attitudes to adopt or... So what is something you can do when you're experiencing this hindrance? And maybe it might be in the form of, like if I were to describe, I could say, Diana, you know, when restlessness arises, you can just do X or don't forget Y or maybe do Z. So give yourself some advice about what to do when this hindrance arises. Be your own teacher. Okay. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I wanted, yes, you do this when you're talking. The other people are listening. Sorry. I, I started by saying it was a listening exercise, but it's really kind of a teach yourself exercise. <laughs> and it can be something simple. It can, you don't have to share your deepest, darkest secrets. You don't have to share a big, long story. Just something simple, just to hear yourself say out loud something that would be helpful. Okay, so please begin. So let me, I'll say this again for them. So I'd like to hear some comments or what was that like? Did you already know, like, oh yeah, okay, this whole hindrance thing. I heard that, been there, done that. Or was it, did you learn anything? Was it helpful to this idea that to give your, be a teacher for yourself for this? Can we, I think, we, uh, Beatrice here, I think. Has, uh, thank you. Do you want me to say my name again? Uh, <laughs> I want, to follow, you, I want to follow the instructions you precisely. <laughs> <laughs> you can do as you wish. Um, okay. Um, my name's Beatrice. What I got was I, I often forget, like, what... It's been a running theme for me. Like, what... Okay, what, why, am I, why am I doing this? And... Um, and so what I got was, you know, clarity is a great thing, and you keep, you know why you're doing this, and then you forget. So um, why don't you make it part of your practice that every day you write down what was the benefit, in clear, legible writing that I can read later, <laughs> um, what was the benefit of my practice today? 
Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, some people find a real support from meditation journal. I've done, there were times when I did that too. And I would even like keep track of which hindrances were really strong just as a way to kind of like depersonalize them. Like, oh yeah, it was really strong today, but yesterday it wasn't. But yeah, so writing down something can be really helpful. And so it's not like it's a new concept because I know in the deepening meditation practice, one of the instructions is keep a journal. And I was going, oh, okay, yeah, that's nice. And so, oh, that, that, yeah, that would, that would, that would help. Great, thank you. So, Diana, you, you mentioned that the first hindrance, the kind of craving, is more of a sensory uh, kind of craving. But, um, uh, and if you think of thoughts in the mind as sensory, then then mind fits fits that. But for me, it's uh, very much selfing. Um, you know, daydreams where I do something great, and so I get recognition or love or or, or whatever. I starve my own movie, and um, <laughs> and um, finish my books that have my name on them. Etc. Uh, so I think something that could help with that is to remember what uh, a Zen teacher, Angie Boisevin, once said. I heard her say this in a talk. Let's face it, someday we'll all be forgotten. Mm. And, um, you know, if I have to think forward into the far future when the sun starts to cool down and it expands and covers Earth's orbit and boils everything away and books I've written will be you know, burned to a crisp. Everything's forgotten. If I can, if I have to think that far ahead, maybe that'll help me remember. Best thing to do right now is just practice and get enlightened. <laughs> no, that's true. It's going to be really helpful. I earlier was talking about Space sometimes it gets space around some of our difficulties, and I was talking about space in terms of um, be aware that there's sounds and be aware there's bodily experiences. But this is another way of kind of getting space. In your case, it's literal, but it can be just this sense of putting it in perspective. There's time around our experiences, and to imagine a future. Just here, now, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right, right. I can remember that. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Um, hello, I'm Sergio. Sergio. Um, one thing that I notice I have this tendency to do is to read a lot about Buddhism and about meditation. Um, but right now I realize that, um, you know, I've, I've been working on that. You know, I've, I've read enough, I've listened enough talks now it's time to to do the work in real life um, but right now I realize something that I find useful um, you know I think the job of the teacher in me is to remind me that I already have like the resources to work with some things mm-hmm. you know so it was kind of interesting the teacher uh, can kindly remind the student, okay, you know what you can do. At least you have some tools for that. Yeah. Nice, great. Thank you. Thank you, Sergio. 
You know, I never really believe it when you say this is a part of being human. That all these things is just because you're a human. I, I never really believed it until I'm going through, and, and I've been through this stuff before, but today it just really hit me. Hey, that's the same thing I do. Hey, that happens to me. It's like, what? I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's very uh, odd and peculiar to finally be getting to the point of realizing that this is really all being a human being. Now, I may forget this, but for right now, it's really, really true for me, and it's such a relief. Yeah. You know, it's such a relief. Yeah. And, and then to realize that when I was trying to think, well, I don't know what to say. I'm not sure what to say. Then I started about being my own teacher. Then I started remembering, well, okay, I, I, this is kind of what I do. Well, I didn't call it being my own teacher. I called it, I don't know what I called it. But I, I have been doing this sort of thing. Not all the time, but, you know, it's just as... So it's, so it's kind of, um, that's kind of encouraging too. That's nice. kind of encouraging. So, so thank you. Thank You're you so welcome. much. You're welcome. Thank you. My name is Sylvie. Um, so in... In the past couple of years, one of the big uh, hindrances uh, for me, um, my life has been very challenging, has been planning. And um, I find myself, um, I sit in the middle of the night, or I'm lying in bed, and I'm just planning always to solve my problems. Um, and uh, so... When I sit down and one day I just realize, oh, I'm planning, I'm planning, I'm planning again. That's like a form of um, aversion to the future uh, because I, I realize that I'm very, um, I've been very anxious and have fears about my future. And so um, this has been just... The, a constant uh, hindrance and I found that uh, once I was able to realize that it was planning and it's fear now I bring self-compassion and I say you know well you know it's with what's going on in your life it's it's normal that you're planning and trying to make yourself safe uh, and I find that uh, it helps um, it helps me stop planning like in a way, um, my fear has been heard, <laughs> finally. Um, and um, so when it's enough, I stop. When it's not enough and I find myself plan again, then I turn to doing loving-kindness meditation. Uh, because then focusing on the words take me off from planning. Nice, nice. Thank you, Sylvie. 
Maybe this will be our last comment. Hi, I'm, I'm David. David. And one thing that I found interesting is, so sort of planning is, is one of my main hindrances too, but when you were describing that, it, I, had a, I had a little bit different of a sort of um, feeling towards it. Like to me, it's like I'm planning out of a sense of wanting and reaching and not out of like a, a fear of not wanting things to happen. But it's uh, it's interesting though, like that same sort of planning mind, sometimes, sometimes it does sort of twitch towards like, you know, a, a fear of the future. Usually it's like wanting to move towards it. Um, so for me, uh, what I've found helpful from sort of teachings before is is to just kind of ask what what's going on now and and that was kind of my my way to do it but it's interesting from you the idea of bringing the compassion for when it's it's it comes out of fear um so yeah i might see if i notice that great great thank you david so we don't have to be perfect that's right let's say it together we do not have to be perfect (laughs) yeah right it's kind of funny how that that idea sometimes is underneath there right this idea that we should be perfect but here's something that's helpful is to care care enough to, to try, to care enough to show up as best we can, as best we can. That's what's being asked here is to care. And hopefully we all care about ourselves. Hopefully we all care about our lives and our inner life and how we show up in the world. So it's really importantly that we work with compassion with whatever obstacles we find, with whatever limitations we discover. Can we hold them with some warmth and some care, some comforting, maybe some affectionate curiosity as best we can, as best we can as best we can. I'm going to say this again, right? Because we so often have this idea how we should be, and this is more part of being our own teacher, is to recognize that we don't have to be perfect. We, don't ha- we have, these, have these ideas, these idealized ideas about how things should be, and so often we're disappointed by because they're not that way. But there's a part of us that understands that. There is a part of us that's wise and knows that there is suffering and there is happiness. And so much about this practice is finding our way, what leads to suffering and what doesn't lead to suffering. And then I'll say this, there's a story that about this, what this, um, maybe I'll, I'll put it this way. So if we discover that in our midst 
somehow as a poisonous tree, often our first impulse is, I have to cut it down to get rid of this poisonous tree. It's poisonous. And so we have this sense of of some fear and a sense of poison and impurity and this effort to kind of destroy it, get rid of it, somehow make it go away. But then as our practice continues, as we continue like flowing down with hitting this obstacle, that obstacle, this other obstacle, then as our compassion deepens, we recognize that this tree, this poisonous tree, is also a part of life. It's also part of our experience. It's part of reality. This tree is there and we start to have some compassion arises and we put a fence around the tree. We warn others, look, this is poisonous, beware, it's not helpful. We remind ourselves, we warn ourselves. Okay, there's this tree here and we're, not, it's, we're just going to work with it. We're going to put a fence around it in some kind of way. But then, as practice continues, we discover that wise beings are coming to this tree and they're using the poison and turning it into medicine. Those things that in some ways feel like they can be harmful are also the same things that can be healing. Those things that are uncomfortable and they feel like we have to, our initial impulse, maybe we have to get rid of this in order to go forward, are actually what has some very important medicine for us, something to learn, something to gain some capacity with or gain some confidence with. <coughs> So in this way that our, some of these initial energies of, that we might have of um, anger and confusion or this wish to get rid of something or a desire, some of these energies that are associated with the obstacle of this poisonous tree, that kind of movement can get transformed and can be into the, the strength and the motivation and the clarity that brings awakening, that brings freedom. So this, not that we have to get rid of these poison trees, but can we learn to take the medicine from them? Can they, we, can they use them to support us, either to increase our capacity to learn about ourselves, to learn about others, to learn about how to help others. Sometimes it's only when we have some of our own experiences that we're able to really meet other people in a meaningful way, in a helpful, supportive way. So in this way, are these poison trees, what we used to call poison trees, now an ally. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying this is straightforward. And I'm not saying this is fast. I am saying this is the way forward. 
This is how we find freedom. This is how we find peace. This is how we find awakening. Is that we work with obstacles instead of just thinking that we'll work as soon as those obstacles go away, that we work with them when they arise. So let's take a break. Let's take a rather kind of a short, a little bit shorter break, I'll say. It's 12 to 3. Let's come back at 3 and then we'll have this last uh, little bit at the end. Thank you. <laughs> 